I've been I've been I've been recording. Button. So my button is also hit. Oh, now. interesting. That'll be fun for me to sync up. <laughs> just just do it by eye. Remember, we don't clap anymore. <clears throat> no, but we do sort of start around the same time. <laughs> I mean, we could clap anyway just to see how that goes. Just for just for fun this one time. All right. Okay, that seems <laughs> like it'll be really easy to sync up. We did it. Yeah. Congratulations, yeah. everybody. I'm proud of us. Ah, uh, there's nothing we need to go over before we hit this, is there? Uh, you do have a content warning on the notes for the Plague, and is that uh, just left over from yeah, last episode? Yeah, that's just left over from last episode. <laughs> I just wanted to double check. Um, I guess content warning, like, bully violence in this one? Yeah, uh, like, really quite, like, sudden, shocking, and intense gore, I'd say. actual terms people use for this shit. Oh, fuck. I just googled Death Note 2017 ESRB. What the fuck am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> That's the video game one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Would you like to see... Would you like to know what the Death Note review is from Common Sense Media? I would love to. Uh, one star <laughs> illogical horror film has graphic violence comma language I hate it when my horror films aren't logical I hate it when oh, there's ratings I hate it when there's, there's this graphic violence comma language okay so we have positive res positive messages rated at one out of five there's little dots like a like a blades in the dark character uh, we have one out of five positive role models and representations. If I click that, I'm sure it'll tell me that there's cops. Hero learns crucial lesson about overstepping moral boundaries, but it's too late. Ethnic diversity! It's, it's not too late, though. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, positive messages. Power corrupts. Even those with good intentions may lose sight of right or wrong. Vigilantism is destined to fail. But the point is... <laughs> The, the end of this movie is that he doesn't fail. He does. He does. Yeah, learn he doesn't from his fail. He like. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. No, he doesn't learn. He doesn't learn anything. Okay, hang the on. Joker we'll, tricks uh, we'll, everyone. Yeah. Well, violence is five out of five pips. Damn. Um, graphic bloody violence throughout, including decapitation, impaling, brutal fighting, electrocution, plunges to the death. Multiple dead bodies are seen. Reference to more than 400 deaths caused by one person. A demon with glowing eyes appears in many scenes, cackling with increasing intensity and joy over the mayhem he has caused. <laughs> Bullying. <laughs> on, on that note, I did go to the IMDb like parents' guide to find actual terminology. And under the violence and gore header, the first thing is, some bullies beating people. <laughs> um, we have one out of five pips for sex, and it just says kissing, comma, undressing. Language is four out of five. Occasional <laughs> cursing. F dash dash K S dash dash T bitch. <laughs> um, not present. Consumerism. <laughs> oh, <thank God>. What? <laughs> and not present. Drinking, drugs, and smoking. 
not present consumerism. The fucking the best detective in the universe is powered entirely and exclusively by M and M's, and that's not consumerism. Okay. Like these guides can't be perfect. <laughs> I think this is a perfect guide. <laughs> well, there we go. I think the list of all the different forms of violence, capping it off with bullying, is like <laughs> like fucking immaculate. Yeah, that is pretty good. Okay, well, we should podcast maybe. Is that gonna be? Is that gonna be like a post-credit sequence for this podcast? I don't know. I don't know what's going on anymore. Uh, maybe, maybe it'll be at the front. I don't know. Is there a witch in the woods? A curse on your camp? A haunting in your home? It's time to find out. Welcome to the Car Hour. I'm your host, Briar. I'm Nora. And this week we're also joined by a guest. Hi. Hello. Who should introduce himself. Okay. Uh, hi, I'm Curly. Uh, <laughs> is, I, I'm, I'm confused. Is Nora not on this show? or? <laughs> I said, is... I'm Nora. Oh, I did not hear that at all. <laughs> like no no sound came through on my end there. well i am nora and i'm here and you're curly and you're here as well i am hello well, uh, if you listen to if you listen to that podcast about ruby that is on around on the internet I, i've been on that uh and and that's 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 basically my only notable achievement so let's get down to the, the episode <laughs> <laughs> And this week we watched 2017's Death Note, directed by Adam Wingard and based on the manga by Sugumi Oba and Takeshi Obata. Uh, before we jump into our discussion of the movies we've watched this week, what is the history you two have of Death Note? Death Note's the first anime I watched, in the context of this is an anime, not just a cartoon that was on TV. Um, everyone in my friend group as a teenager was recommending it, and the girl that I liked also liked it, so I was like, okay, I'll watch the show, and then I really liked it, and then the second anime I watched was Code Geass, which is still, uh, like, a great, just an all-timer, really, just, mm, (laughs) chef's kiss, Yeah, there really was no way Code Geass wasn't going to come up on this episode, huh? Of course not. Number three was Gurren Lagann, and those three kind of, like, defined my taste in anime as, uh, like, teenage boy. In a way that is entirely believable, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, what about you, Kelly? Uh, so, similar kind of story, I guess, is that a, uh, uh, I was probably about, I want to say about 12, and, uh, a girl who I knew who was much more interesting than me was like, hey, this this manga is really good. So I was like, oh, I'll read this manga. And then I read, like, the... Is it the first seven volumes of it that is that forms the part one of Death Note? I, I never I read touched that. the manga. I've never touched the manga at all. 
basically I read that I was like wow this is really cool and then I, I read I, I really enjoyed it and I like I thought it was I thought it was very I thought it was very smart and it did some things that uh, the other extremely limited manga I had read at that age didn't do and then uh, I read the first volume after all of that stuff and I thought it was bad so I stopped <laughs> that's unfortunate Mm-hmm. So we have someone who's seen the anime, someone who's read a good amount of the manga, and me who has read and all watched none of it. Oh, cool. Okay, that's a that's a pretty decent like spread of perspectives, I think. Yeah. But before we get back to Death Note, what movies have we watched this week? Also, I was going to say the only thing that could make it better is if there was a fourth person on this podcast who didn't even watch the movie we're talking about today. <laughs> <laughs> um. Have I watched what? any movies lately? I don't know. I'm going to percolate on that one. Uh, currently, do I take <laughs> On whether you've seen any movies. <clears throat> I have to like remember what I've done. I've been working a lot lately. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, I've I've been watching movies on my, my lunch break because I, I don't really have anyone to talk to. So, <laughs> uh, apart from like Discord and stuff. So, watching movies is one of my current coping mechanisms. So, mm-hmm. uh, I watched a, a, a small selection, I guess. I watched... In addition to this movie, uh, I watched The Host by uh, Bong Joon-ho, and that is a really good movie. Oh, so not the Stephanie Meyer book that came not out after the Stephanie Meyer. No, not, not that one. Is it inspired Definitely by? Not. Yeah, it's actually it's a loose adaptation. Oh. Instead of uh, instead of like uh, instead of like a sort of like teenage young young teenage mid teenage girl choosing between these two boys who are like you know a fork in the road of her life uh it's instead like a sort of middle-aged korean man whose daughter gets abducted by a giant fish monster i hate it when that happens yeah i hate when girls are kidnapped by giant fish monsters right it sucks but uh, no, it's really good. It's uh, if you've seen like obviously at this point, a lot of people who are talking about movies have seen *Parasite*. Quite a few people have seen *Snowpiercer*. Uh, *Okja* is out there on Netflix and such. And if you're you're interested in all these works, I really really recommend watching *The Host* because it's it's old. It's like it's visibly old, not for movies old. It's a 2007 movie. It's like it's visibly dated. Like it relies on a you know big cg monster which it actually it frames really well and like it doesn't it's not too difficult to like gel with the fact that the c the cg work is quite dated but like it's it's the thematically really interesting movie it's like it's, it's extremely on its bullshit in a way that uh, a lot of the, the guys movies are and uh, it's just it's just really really good I, I strongly recommend watching it if you liked any of those movies nice uh, and i have watched nothing on the movie side, at least. Nothing, huh? Now, I mean, only, only if we're counting movies. If we count TV, I have started Twin Peaks. That's oh. sort of like a movie, right? It's sort of like a movie <laughs> that doesn't end. Kind of. And the pilot is, like, over an hour, so that's kind of a movie. Listen, we watched a 72-minute movie on this podcast. Damn, did we? Yeah. <laughs> Chopping Mall. Oh, that was a good one. <laughs> Uh, oh, I have seen movies. I did, <laughs> I did watch movie. I needed to percolate on it so that I could talk about Cars 2. Oh, Christ. Oh, no. <laughs> A fucking baffling piece of art. Um, I would be surprised if anyone listening to this podcast isn't also listening to uh, 
I guess right now they're they're calling themselves Life is a Reprise Way. It's the repri- Totally Reprise podcast is what it used to be. Um, they're watching the Cars movies. And, um, boy, those, those movies are just, like, actively antagonistic to the sort of um, world building as a diorama that a lot of things do currently. We're like... Okay. They really don't give a shit, and they just, it's just real life, but with cars instead of people, and then makes no attempt to actually, like, explain any of the stuff in it, because it is a kid's movie, I admit. But it does lead to weird things like the Mobile car, um, which means that somebody tried to assassinate the car pope. Also, there is a car pope. <laughs> Which means that there was a car Jesus who <laughs> <laughs> was crucified on a car cross. And also, like, um, but dinosaurs were real, but humans aren't real. Because that's, that's where the oil comes from. Maybe they were car dinosaurs. Oh, like, game. Like, video game. You know the one with the bow? Uh... A lot of video games. Video, have video bows. game, video game with the bow and the trip wires and the yeah, Horizon uh, Car Dinosaurs. I remember that one. Horizon, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, Horizon Four Doors. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> zero Doors. There it is. <laughs> Whatever. So, Stupid so cars. I've, I've, I've seen the, I've seen the original cars. I've seen the original uh-huh. cars in a sort of like fatigue fugue state sort of deal, which I think maybe is what seeing the movie is just like. Yeah. And so like, true. so people weren't real, but cars are real. So it's like a, it's like a Pixar version of Burnout Paradise. Yes. Um, but what if the cars fucked? I mean, we're given to understand from Burnout Paradise that the cars might might at least be capable of of. Fucking. Mm-hmm. Did I play Burnout Paradise like wrong? I don't remember this part. So, Light Turner hands off some finished schoolwork and takes his money before a sudden storm kicks up and a mysterious black book falls from the sky and lands next to him. It has Death Note written on it. This is the Death Note. It's here. From the I... Death Note movie? Yes, it's, it's here with us. Death Note. Um, he flees and bumps into some very like stereotypical bullies from every school media you've ever watched. Uh, alongside the girl he likes, Mia, and tries to defeat them with facts and logic, but gets clocked instead. He wakes up to a teacher thumbing through his sheets of homework that have been filled out for other students. In the principal's office, he weirdly talks around the fact that another student beat the shit out of him and gets detention for selling homework. 
Inside the tension, with the teacher out of the room, he opens up the death note and reads the rules. Rule 1. The human whose name is written in this note shall die. Rule 2. This rule will not take effect unless the writer has the person's face in their mind when writing his or her name. People who use neutral pronouns are immune to the death note. Yeah, a lot of people don't talk about that. It just doesn't come up in the manga, you know. Uh, so he continues looking through and finds pages of names followed by blind pages. At this point, the lights in the building shudder off and marble spill out from the back of the room. Light investigates and finds a broken jar as well as a mysterious figure, which is, you know, some kind of horrific demon. Um, he shits himself and tries to run away as all the furniture in the room begins to spin and fly around before an apple core is thrown towards him. The figure reappears and coerces Light into writing the name of bullies outside into the death note, explaining that he can specify how the death occurs, as well as who it occurs to. Light then watches out the window as his specified death, which is decapitation, happens out in the street by an unlikely sequence of events. Uh, Light reels from the experience, pretty naturally, and the figure explains that it's okay if he's not up to it. He may simply leave the book somewhere else for seven days and it will find a new home. And with that, he disappears, leaving Light alone in the very wrecked room. You called him a monster in that description, and I think that's a very mean thing to say about Mr. Willem Dafoe. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a very I mean, good performance. Mike, I, Mike really... I worked so hard on this performance, you know? <laughs> yes, a very good performance <laughs> of a monstrous character. <laughs> He's great in this. He is really great in this. He's he is. Uh, I, I, my first note is that my my original note on like his character said that he's absolutely killing it, but then I eventually revised that to <laughs> he's just having such a good time. He's really he's just giggling. He's really. Like, oh, no! Sorry, you go ahead. <laughs> um, he's really re-yucking it up. <laughs> <laughs> if we if we could wind back a second, if you took a note that he was killing it, would that be? A death note. Mm. Well, ooh, ooh. No, is that anything? See, I, I, I took that note that he was killing it, but then I revised it in the second act twist of the movie when it turns out he didn't kill anyone. Anyway, <gasps> um, I mean, technically, he kills everyone written in the death well, note, right? Yeah. But this this movie has some very very peculiar ideas about, and I think maybe the original fiction did too, about who actually killed someone who dies as the result of someone writing a name in a death note well like, they leave out the part in this adaptation where like in the original the the death gods were like taking the remainder of the person's <clears throat> life before they were killed prematurely at, into their own yeah. lifespan right yeah, yeah yeah that's not that's doesn't just just doesn't come up at all yeah seems like a pretty sick setup in my opinion yeah so the first like Less than five, even. The first, like, three minutes of this movie are just unbelievably dense. I, I had so much <laughs> fun watching the the pace at which this movie begins and establishes itself, because it continues for the first at least sort of half an hour, 45 minutes. Just the breakneck speed at which this movie establishes everything about, you know, Death Note, all of the ideas it's going to be sort of concerning itself with and sort of trying and medium succeeding to unpack and deal with over the course of the runtime. Like, the first, like, four shots of this movie establish 
with like like a ten ton weight. Just we are the most in America we could possibly be. It's like yeah. <laughs> we're sitting on a schoolyard. The weather's grey. There are cheerleaders. They're smoking while they're cheerleading. Lights doing one half of a calculus paper. He sells it to someone. It's just like, damn. There's like, it's like there's like graffiti on the walls of the of the like. Oh, I the just, space I just, needle is here. Yeah, the space needles. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're, they're very explicitly in Seattle, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, we open on the space needle like a true Death Note story should. <laughs> <laughs> Light has like weird uh, blonde dyed hair, like yeah. For, as far as intros go, this one is a lot. And so this movie opens with oh that sort of dreamy montage, and there's a lot of those in this movie. I didn't realize the first time I watched it that there's like so many montages and so many. <laughs> there's yeah. so much like music, like. Watching it on Netflix, I didn't realize, because last time I watched it on a stream with a bunch of other people, but the subtitles tell me when, like, a a music track starts playing, who's the artist behind that song and what the song is called, which I had never had in subtitles before. So it was just very, like, noticeable to be like, ah, there's, like, seven different licensed songs in this movie. Yeah, the mo- the movie is just like is it's absolutely wielding that licensed soundtrack. Like every single time, it's not like, you know, it's not it, it, the, these tracks aren't in the backgrounds of scenes. They're not like sort of gently playing on the radio and then fade into the soundtrack. It'll cut to the scene and then bam, song full volume from the beginning. We're going straight in. Nothing would be nothing could be more Death Note than AMVs in the movie. <laughs> Just I, I, there are multiple times in this movie, mostly in the sort of like, for me in the last like half hour, twenty minutes, where like a, a licensed track comes on and it's just so like it's just it's just the most on the nose. Like that's what I really like about this movie in a lot of places. <laughs> it's just so on the nose in so many different situations that it just it's just funny. It's just really funny, and I like. From There's the way a... that the whole thing is put together, it's like pretty clear to me that it is like trying to be funny with that. <clears throat> There's a song that starts with the line uh, that has the word light in the first two words and then <laughs> mentions cheap wine as light is taking a drink of punch at the <laughs> homecoming dance. It's yeah. very powerful. So uh, so Nat, Nat Wolf like is doing a really good job as uh, light in this first scene. It, it, just because like he it starts raining, they, they run inside, he runs into these bullies who, like you say, are every teen movie bullies. And I think actually like the sort of the teen movie element of this is one of the things that works so well for me. It just it, ele- it elevates the whole thing mm-hmm. for me. like it makes it funnier because like light, who like so you you have your expectations from the original fiction where light is this like you know this this megalomania the uh, megalomaniac guy who you know wants to create a new world order like he buys into this uh eventually he like he starts buying into this uh deification of himself right whereas in the movie you have this guy who's you know he's sort of loosely doing a calculus paper he tries to make a pass at this girl and she's like what the hell are you doing man and then he runs inside, he meets these bullies, and he starts threatening the bully with the bully beating him up. <laughs> He's like, it would suck so much for you if you beat the shit out of me right now. And then the bully beats the shit out of him. He like, also, it's... 
He also says, actually, you were held back twice, so technically this would be child abuse if you beat me yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that, but he, but he doesn't say it like that. He says, like, uh, actually, like, he's like, he's like, he thinks he's, he thinks he's fucking owned this guy. Yeah, he gets, he like, this one yelling. moment. <laughs> he gets this one moment of, like, building up to a smug, a smug, like, takedown of someone, and then immediately gets punched in the face. <laughs> Which I think is, like, a great, like adaptation of the light from death note the, the original because yeah. he like the difference is that like original light is actually super smart and this light just kind of thinks he is i was just like an it immediately establishes his character very well as like the the kind of smart at like imp- good at improvising smart but right. not like reading people smart and it's like a it's like a cultural difference as well, right? Like the kind mm-hmm. of student that light in the original fiction is doesn't really exist in American school fiction, or, or at least if it does exist, it's easily identified as totally artificial, right? Like there are sure. where, like there are no teen movies where we're expected to take a super smart like waifish genius who gets all of the girls as a real character, whereas in a lot of Japanese fiction that is like that you know in a lot of manga and anime that certainly is is an archetype that comes up. But American mm-hmm. teen movies don't have that character, and it doesn't translate. But in this movie, we instead have this person who, you know, imagines himself in this kind of position, but every single time, you know, it comes to the crunch and he is tested on this, he just fails. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I really like his shitty hair. Yeah, his hair is so bad! <laughs> uh, I guess the one other thing that I'll say about this is that... Uh, the like while we're talking about the ways in which uh, this movie transposes the ideas of the original fiction into this new setting is that like obviously if you've got, if you've got this story that pr- principally takes place in a high school you move it to an american teen movie right and then if you have suddenly all of these like spontaneous murders moving them into the format of a final destination movie i think works really really well like it um it's again like sort of uh, more culturally uh familiar i guess for the the audience that mm-hmm. it's, it's moving the movie to you know i i think it, i think it works really well yeah this is like a really great movie and great exercise in adaptation that i feel like a lot of people just kind of passed on um like i mean people didn't just pass on it people like like you know viscerally disliked this movie for a lot of yeah. you know pretty justifiable reasons i would mm-hmm. say we'll, we'll probably get on to like some of the things that you know even for people like us who like the movie make the movie hard to like but overall i i really like what this movie does i really like the way it adapts this story Uh, and especially as someone who really liked this story you know when i was younger and have sort of cooled on it and dislike some parts of it now i really like that this takes it in just a totally different direction such that it has this identity of its own yeah um a reboot or a remake that actually like tries something different is always preferable to not. Um, I, I I say this as the person who really likes Castlevania: Lords of Shadow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I cannot I cannot go down that road with you, but uh, yeah, rebuild of Death Note is a cool idea and it does mm-hmm. a good job with it. I think. So, at home, Light has dinner with his father, who asks about the accident and his detention. He antagonizes his dad about his mother's death, a hit and run from the sounds of things, and storms upstairs to look at the death note some more. On one page, he finds written, Don't trust Ryuk, he is not your pet, he is not your friend. 
At this point, his closet swings open halfway, and Light puts an apple by it, which Reed swiftly devours before appearing on his bed. He asks for some more specifics about the function of the Death Note, particularly about how much someone can be influenced by it. Light then takes some newspaper clippings about his mother's murder, and uses them to write her killer's name, which is Anthony Scamal, in the Death Note. At a meal in a restaurant, a chain of events unfolds that sees the killer stab himself through the neck. Um, I, th- I feel like the way it revels in the, the depths, especially with these first few ones, really helps like reinforce like, how easy it is to just write a name in a book, and then how serious the thing you're actually doing is. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Another thing that uh, it reminds me of is the way that the ki- uh, the killings in... I've only seen the early ones. Uh, the early Saw movies is like it cuts from it cuts from the sort of like slow dread of these people realizing that they're going to die and like the situations that they're in, and then it starts like it moves to this like frantic like you say revelry in these shots, and uh, I like it. I like I like the way that it does it. Um, yeah, they're very like Rube Goldberg esque in a way as well with the way a lot of them start with just like a very small <laughs> yeah. accident. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that's definitely the uh, the final destination DNA. Like uh, this this kid gets his head bisected by a ladder because like a, a woman dropped some soup or something. Yeah, yeah her like shopping bag split. Yeah. Uh, so light wakes up afterwards and hears his father taking a phone call before coming in to tell him the good news. That day he takes the death note to school with him and reads it in the bleachers where everyone can see him like a dumbass. And Mia comes over to talk to him about the accident. They awkwardly bond over seeing a bully get brutally murdered, and Mia questions him about the Death Note, which he resists telling her about for 0.1 seconds before taking her into the empty cafeteria <laughs> so and trying it's to show so her view. Yeah, you can immediately tell she's like more interested in this than him. All mm-hmm. the all the dialogue between these two, I just absolutely love because, like, he's like, "Yo, I can kill people," and she's like, "Damn, that's hot." And he's like, "But like, that that it feels very like." Maybe authentic is the wrong word, but certainly like it rings true, this teen movie stuff, where he's like, oh, I shouldn't tell you about this. But I do kind of fancy you, so I am going to tell you about this. <laughs> he also, um, he says, you really want to know? and Which is also what he says at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, ring theory. Oh, ring, ring theory. <laughs> <laughs> I think this uh, I think this Adam Wingard guy might have made a movie before. Uh, Mia's like real introduction here is very funny. The way she's basically like, "Wouldn't it be fucked up if I saw that murder?" <laughs> Did you see it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Mia doesn't believe him about what the Death Note can do, uh, and she can't see Ryu because only the the bearer of the Death Note can. Um, so Light shows her the most recent entry in the book, which is Kenny Doyle, Decapitation, and stands there very proud of himself. She still doesn't believe him, so he uses a live feed of a crime in progress to prove that the Death Note works by killing off a man who has taken some hostages. The two equivocate about how just Light's actions were, and the seeds of a power trip are sown. Mia and Light's relationship develops, tied up in their campaign of killing with the Death Note, and they use the killings to create an identity, Kira. They pick out inmates, terrorists, organized crime members, and who knows what else under the name Kira. The climate of fear that is created causes a worldwide stir. This is one of, like, I was watching this today and remembered um, this part, and, like, this is, like, 
There's a, a time skip here with the montage where they start... Yeah, I was like, going to say, montage like number two or three. <laughs> yeah, it's just that like they really wanted to like skip to the part where L shows up. And it's very like... <laughs> We could have made, like, a whole movie bef- and then have the, like... You could definitely turn this into a trilogy where, like, at the end of the first movie is when Elle shows up. And then part two is all about them clashing, right? Um, but yeah. then given the they had this... Uh, given the way that this movie ends, I can see the, like... I can, see, I can see why you would say that, but I think this movie would be much the worse without Elle in it. That's true. Like, um, Elle's the best character in this movie. Yeah, by, for by sure. quite some distance. And I like the other characters in this movie, but Lakeith yeah. Sanfeld is just a genius. Like, I, I was My just, man is acting in this movie. Yes, uh, as he does in everything I've ever seen him in. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking about like the structure of it and like having to have this montage to like skip ahead, like just kind of hop ahead so that you could introduce Elle. Yeah. Uh, it was just an interesting thing because it's like, this feels like later in the movie than it is which is like it's actually like 35 minutes in that we have this yeah. big time skip yeah um, i think it's it a good just... montage though like it does a really good job of yeah. showing yeah, that like yeah. that their relationship and like the thing they do with the death note are not separate there is only like the one right mm-hmm. yeah right like this movie uses montage a lot but i wouldn't say it like i mean it, you could probably argue that it overuses it but i don't think it uses it badly no, no. I was just like in, mar- yeah, marking yeah. on like the interesting like choices the, mm. to use it at, in this point. I mean, if you so, have a place you want to get to, there are worse ways of doing it. Yeah, it's it's probably like one of the things that contributes to this movie feel liking it moves so fast. Like this movie is over ninety minutes, but it goes so like so much happens in this movie. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so the other thing I would say about these this sort of section of the movie is. Uh, I, I mean, I guess it will start in earnest in the next scene or so, but like, this is the this is where we see sort of the first signs of what I would argue is probably the main problem with this movie, is that like, uh, a lot of the a lot of the implications of uh, a lot of the, a lot of the implications of the parts of its story that it it like. Hmm. A lot of the implications of the central elements of this movie's story, I I feel they're handled quite sort of callously. So like the what I'm talking about is this montage where uh, Mia and Kira, Mia and Kira, Mia and L. So it starts off with the the joke that got infinitely memed when the movie came out, which is uh, uh, him picking the name Kira and saying it sort of means killer in Japanese. <laughs> and then getting out like a getting out like a, a, a transliteration dictionary, so the people who wrote the movie can prove to you that they're not just making that up. Uh, and and then, but then they go online and they find people who they can kill. The, the movie wants you to believe are unambiguously evil, and it's like it, it, like the movie's idea of what qualifies as someone who you could just kill out of hand, and that would be uncontroversial and normal is like slightly weird and the way that develops with the way that uh like for example japanese culture is treated by the rest of this movie is uh shaky (laughs) Mm -hmm. i mean especially at this point a lot of the people they are picking off in these montages are like 
comedic stereotypes of villains, right? They are like Bond villains. Right, exactly. But they are specifically American lens of what qualifies as unambiguously evil. Like True. the 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 uh the vi- like the the military dictator who they pick out is a very very thinly veiled like North Korean stereotype like all yes. this stuff like uh what was the other one there was another one that really struck yeah like so like terrorists for example like th- th- it's it's a it's a cinematic language thing that uh is sort of like at this point totally uh totally absorbed by you know American cinema but like the the idea of the terrorist as this monolith mm-hmm. of un- like just uncomplicated bad is like right. something it, it, this movie's not interested in it was like north korea uh, uh, terrorist, capital T terrorist, and uh, a cartel, um, and yeah, uh, something I f- else I can't remember. I feel like if two dumbass American teens sat down to pick out enemy number one, though, like this is Absolutely. the kind of shit. Absolutely, but the movie like is not uh like the movie isn't interested in whether that like whether the choices they've made are bad until later when light considers that maybe someone would report someone doing something bad uh fraudulently right mm-hmm. yeah and also like the the reason basically the, the this scene on its own is like sort of an eyebrow raiser but not necessarily like quote unquote problematic but the way that it couples with the next scene where uh you the I, I mean I'm sure you're about to describe it but the next scene has uh, L and a local detective speaking unsubtitled Japanese to each other in a club in Japan, uh, uh, surrounded by dead, what is implied to be, you know, uh, uh, Tokyo gang members, but also like just uh, sort of various unassociated, like, not not obviously associated sex workers. It's quite strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that the twist on that was that it was going to be fake or like a copycat but because he because it was written in english Hmm. uh but yeah copycats is uh copycats is an idea that i think is sort of planted in the head of this movie but is not really explored Mm -hmm. that much and that's fair enough this movie explores a lot in its in its runtime but uh it's just it's just something that i sort of thought about a lot as i watched this movie because like it's uh, for sure it's handling of like for for an adaptation of uh, a manga it's handling of japanese culture is dubious Mm mm-hmm in places. Yeah. Um, I think you can, like, look at some of this through the lens also of, like, Light being caught up in the initial rush of this relationship and Mia being caught up in the initial rush of, like, oh, I could murder people now? Yeah, totally, mm-hmm. totally. And we, we absolutely get that in this later scene where Mia says, no, we need to kill these people. Like, they, they deserve it, you know? Whereas Light's like, eh, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, at a Tokyo nightclub, supposedly the site of Kira's newest murder, over a dozen have been found dead. A hooded and masked detective, Elle, picks through the scene, and another detective muses on how the two crime families there had had a truce for years, and how would Kira have even known about them. Elle explains that he had tipped Kira off, baiting them with the names of obscure criminals until one was a hit. He gets on a plane, and heads out to follow Kira's trail. Back at Light's home, his dad explains to him that he's being added to an investigation into who Kira is. His dad rightly points out that it's pretty fucked up for someone to decide who gets to live and die before heading into work when a special investigations room has been trashed. He takes a call and is told that someone from the FBI wants to meet him just as Botari, Al's handler, appears to meet him. He explains that the rumour that Kira is associated with the police is a fact, 
and takes him to meet Al on a call. Al offers his assistance in tracking down Kira and explains to Detective Turner that he has been picked for his particular understanding of potential suspects, as Al has tracked Kira to Seattle. It's a uh. weird um, thing, uh, the way that also the way that this movie talks about cops. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's definitely something I wanted to bring up next. But uh, yeah, you go ahead. Uh, just like when Watari says uh, they they did this to your room or whatever, and um, Turner, Detective Turner says they hate it when people go after cops, but even more, they really don't like it when they go after. Uh, their god or something yeah. like that so this is like a it's like a through line through the movie uh so during this one of these earlier montages where uh, mia and like both like they start killing people and the world starts reacting to it uh they sort of talk about their vision for what they're going to do with the death note and light says uh you know like look at all these people mia's like these people are sheep light's like no they don't they're not they're not sheep they need someone they need god and over the course of the movie it becomes clear that Light wants God. Like, Light wants to believe in God more than he wants to be God. Whereas Mia mm-hmm. is much more interested in being God than being in a God worth, but being a God worth believing in. But, like, yes. the exact words Light uses to phrase this is these people need a God who listens to them, who's not going to let them down the way cops do and politicians, <laughs> which is like an incredible line read that made me laugh a lot. But. <laughs> I find it really funny that he immediately upon beginning to succeed becomes a god specifically to cops, the people who he said were letting him down. And also, like, it it, it tries to have it kind of both ways because he, like, he's disappointed in the cops at the beginning because of the way that, you know, the death of his mom was never really, like, there was no justice for that. Yeah. But then he, like, 100% chooses targets based on the opinions of the criminal mm-hmm. justice system. Yeah. And he doesn't ever actually, like, reckon with that. He doesn't, and... but I feel like the rest of the movie at least to some level does. Like, it's interested in, like, like you know, uh, Detective Turner is, like, annoyed because all these cops are, like, coming out in support of this, you know, this mm-hmm. godlike figure who is the what's meant to be the opposite of their you know their ideology but ultimately what a lot of police officers actually think right that due process gets in the way of their vision of justice Mm -hmm. i just i guess i just like the way that you know in trying to become a god for people who are who you know don't believe that cops Mm -hmm. can bring them justice he does what a lot of those cops were thinking about you know their yeah in this movie's opinion perverted opinion of justice yeah, and in doing so, basically has cops coming to his like defense. Right, exactly. He literally has like all the cops are trying to save him at the end of the movie. Yeah. Uh, at school, Mia is on an image board reading unsubstantiated rumors from people who want Kira to kill someone off for them. Light thinks that it's untrustworthy, but Mia presses him, saying that these people have long been ignored and deserve justice. Detective Turner comes with Watari to meet Al, who is sat eating sweets and flicking through case files. Watari just hands him an ice cream at this point. Uh, Al explains that while Turner's work is impressive, he has the wrong murder down as Kira's first, and instead identifies Brode, the man who Light targeted to prove that the note worked to Mia, as the first. The news of Brode's standoff was only broadcast locally, tying Kira to Seattle. He also explains that whoever Kira is, 
they have internal access to Seattle PD's database. Um, the little standoff between Mia and Light when they're going through basically 4chan is very good. <laughs> it, <laughs> I didn't like notice that the first time I saw this, but it is definitely just 4chan. <laughs> Also, like, uh, uh, Mia tries to, uh, like, the the way that, again, like, sort of more uh, injection of teen movie into this is the, is the way that Mia is, like, uh, Light's example is, what if you wanted to get back at someone who had sex with your girlfriend and, you know, put them on here, said that they did a bunch of crimes, so Kira killed them, and Mia's like, well, what if someone had sex with me? What would you do to them? I, I really like that interaction. I think it's very funny. <laughs> Yeah, and he's like, even more he's like that, he's, he says, "Oh, I definitely kill them," which is why we shouldn't uh, do this. <laughs> <laughs> in the, in the most like anxious, unsure voice he could muster at that point of view. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. Uh, at a public address, Elk calls out Kira as picking victims known to the media and calls them a coward. He declares that he is coming for Kira, and Ryuk laughs at the situation Light and Mia have found themselves in. in. Back at the station, Elle explains his theory to Detective Turner that Kira requires a face and a name to kill, and that without them, Kira will be unable to kill him. At home, Light starts asking questions about Elle and the Kira case, but only learns about the handler, Watari. Detective Turner confronts Elle about having Light tailed, and Elle justifies it on the basis that Light may have access to the databases that Kira is picking from. Mia tries to convince Light to kill off all the FBI agents that are tailing them, but Light refuses to kill innocence and says that it's his butt and that he decides who dies. That night, Mia goes upstairs before leaving early, and Light notices an apple core on the floor as she leaves. Um, it's like so obvious she's up to some shit. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. This is one of the bits in the movie that doesn't really work for me. Is that that we go through this? I mean, maybe it works on the basis that we just you know believe what the movie is telling us that Light is a huge dumbass. Yeah. But like, we're meant to believe that Ryuk did what is about to happen when actually it, you know it was very obviously Mia the whole time <laughs> oh but she loves him she's his girlfriend she would not do anything wrong yeah um sometime oh, later another thing that is sorry just quickly uh another thing that is really great about uh uh, uh when l goes on the news and uh so Mia is like watching the news she's she is like watching out for you know threats to uh to Kira or whatever, and she calls Light to tell him that Elle is on the news. Light is like lying down on his bedroom floor, just watching wind-up toys run along the floor, like absolute no-brain, head empty. <laughs> just <laughs> this is Luke Skywalker playing with a toy plane at the start of A New Hope. Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, but it's like if it's like if there were scenes of Luke Skywalker doing that after, you know, in, in the back half of Empire Strikes Back or whatever. Like <laughs> he's already got the power, he's already killed dozens of people. Like he's just like, oh, toys. Um, sometimes later, the assistant director of the FBI dies suddenly of a heart attack and L quickly tries to get in touch with the agents on their team, but finds them unresponsive. We watch as all the agents march to the top of a building together and throw themselves to their deaths. Detective Turner watches the news, and at night, at school, Light is convinced that Ryuk is to blame, and that some of the rules in the Death Note have allowed him to act independently. Mia tries to talk him down, but Light goes home to confront him, who once again points out that it would be best to just give the book up. They're in too deep. 
Uh, I believe Light also at this point asks uh, what would happen if he wrote Ryuk's name in the Death Note. And Ryuk-san yeah, is basically I like, like no I one's like ever gotten further than two letters. Except for the person who wrote out, don't trust Ryuk, yeah, don't he's trust not Ryuk. your pet. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. w- that was okay, but... <laughs> are, we, are, we, are we given to understand then that if someone managed to write that and uh, Ryuk says, you know, the furthest anyone's ever got is writing two letters, does that mean Ryuk wrote? <laughs> don't don't trust be Ryuk, very, he's not your pet. That would be I believe really that funny. was written on a rules page, wasn't it? Uh, I don't know. This page is different. Is that established? I don't know. It says, isn't one of the rules that every page in the notebook has the power of the notebook? True. (laughs) It's just very funny to think of Ryuk putting that just to fuck with people. (laughs) I feel like that wouldn't be beyond him, right? Right. No, not at all. Uh, so, later on, Light and Mia watch as Light's father makes a public address about the deaths of the FBI agents, decrying Kira as nothing more than a murderer. Mia goes to pick up the death note, and Light stops her, declaring that they are not killing his dad, and that he doesn't think they should continue killing at all. Uh, Mia tries to convince him otherwise, and does not do too well. At their office, L tells Watari that Light Turner is Kira. He goes to meet him in a cafe, and Light tries to worm his way out of the conversation before L asks him if deciding to spare his father was difficult. Light asks him about his theories on how Kira works, and suggests that if he were to be locked up, someone else would become Kira in his stead. Their interests are aligned, he continues, and El should help rather than hunt him. El exposes his face and explains to him that there will be no deals or bargains, there are no draws in this game. This is a great scene. Um, and yeah, it kind the cafe of, scene is fantastic. It mirrors at least two different conversations from the anime about uh uh around a a, like cafe sort of situation because we do we get to see like him sit in the chair all weird and it's it's really good um just the like l is not willing to like even approach the idea um of like of kira being more than just the person um, mm. And he also, he has this whole thing about, um, I don't carry a gun, because I don't enact the justice, I just bring it to bear, like, I, it, whatever happens is a result of your actions, not mine, Yeah. all I do is, like, reveal the... Like he's distracted by he's distracted by the tools of justice. He is just interested in interested in the uh, the process, right? Like yeah, light like, is light. Light believes that the due process of justice is you know, or at least he did is flawed and has failed him. Whereas uh, for L, it is the whole thing. Right, but he do, but but L doesn't care about justice, the material, like the consequences. Right. He yeah. only cares about justice the ideal of like the uncovering the truth like revealing yeah. the mystery um yeah like this scene this scene perfectly encapsulates what i really like the, the most of the things that i like the most about this adaptation so the versions of this scene from the original fiction are you know these two these two very pretty boys just sort of staring across <laughs> a table at each other like i've got all these cards i've got all these cards you know let, let's uh, let's play layers and layers and layers of deception on each other which is very entertaining and compelling whereas in this adaptation uh, when this scene happens uh, light has already begun to lose control 
uh, and he, you know, he's he's aware of the fact that he probably never had any appreciable degree of control to begin with. He is like he's desperate. He's trying to make a bargain. He's telling uh, L that L doesn't understand just how fucked light is, right? And then not only do you have that, but as a as a difference from light's like super uh, calm and uh, icy perspective, but then also in this movie, L is very emotional. Like he is, uh, he is like passionately involved in uh, th- these these conversations, right? There's there's not as many mm-hmm. layers of detachment and calculation. Like L has made the calculations, and he is here to slam on the table the evidence of the result of his calculations, which is that he's already decided. You know, it's it, it, I've eliminated all the other possibilities. It's definitely you. I like yeah, I I think that the like sort of manic L in this movie is fantastic. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, I think this thing works really well as well with just, like, the way it's shot with, like, one of them on the left, one of them on the right, and the way that they are kind of, like, two sides of, like, a coin in a way, and that, like, Mm. L is only really interested in being, like, Judge and Jerry, and Light is only really interested in being Executioner. Right, Mm. yeah. And then Willem Dafoe shows up also. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he likes to lurk. Does a lot of lurking in the background of scenes. It's very fun. Tia, it's one thing about um uh, by this point in the movie it's like become quite obvious to me is that like I really like the uh the Ryuk design, like the suit or is it a suit? I think it's a suit, right? Uh I think I so know. because there is a suit actor credited separate. To okay, sure. I really like the creature design, and it looks awesome. I think the only problem I have with it is that it's not shot as well as it perhaps could be. And perhaps mm-hmm. that is because they wanted to get as much of it on screen as possible to show their work or whatever. But like, there are basically, the, like, it broadly, I think, is overlit. It's, like, treated mm. as just a, an actor in a scene, perhaps slightly too often. Otherwise, I think the creature design is good, and I really love the way that it fits into scenes, and I really love the way that Defoe acts for it. The one last thing I want to say about this scene is that it opens on light looking at old Japanese paintings depicting Ryuk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, He's doing research on, on death gods. That's good. Also, like, how quickly he tries to put it all away and, like, leave when Al turns up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, I was just leaving. Bye. That's oh, not going to work, pal. It's very interesting seeing the arc of the anime be so condensed, where, like, mm. L, instead of taking nine months to decide whether or not he thinks Light is Kira, does it in, like, two days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I think that really plays into the way that they changed Light, right? Like, Light yeah. is, in no, is in no control. He has no, like... He, he hasn't thought about any of this, and he meets someone who has, and he's just completely outpaced at every opportunity by multiple different people. Like, I think that's quite good. <laughs> yeah, he's very yeah. much being like pulled along by multiple people in this movie. Yeah. Speaking of which, Light runs home, and Mia is waiting there for him, where she apologizes and says that she loves him. The two embrace, and Light declares his intention to find out Elle's name and target him. He writes instructions for Watari to investigate Elle on his behalf before dying and explains that he can tear the page out and burn it to prevent Watari actually dying. Ryuk says that he only gets to stop one death in this way, and Watari calls but cannot give Elle's name, as he doesn't know it. Lan instructs him to head to where Elle was raised in order to find out, and the next day Elle enters his hotel room to find Watari missing. 
That day, while Mia Light and his father are sat around the dining table, Elle storms in and takes a seat. He asks Mia to leave and Light to stay while he discusses the disappearance of Watari with Detective Turner. He accuses Light of being Kira and asks what it is he wants for the return of Watari. Detective Turner assaults him, but Elle has a warrant on her team and enters in to search the place. Outside, Ryuk suggests that Light's name will be the first in the book if it ever makes its way into the hands of a new owner. This is another great montage. Um, mm-hmm. The montage of L realizing that Watari is missing. Yeah. Um, and it, it is like exactly what we were talking about with the very emotional L of like seeing that and seeing uh, Lakeith Stanfield just do a fucking great job with this character. Mm. Um, just a, a quick uh, you know, pin from earlier, more uh, dubious handling of Japanese culture. I guess Watari's full name is just Watari. Like... Nobody ever refers to him in any other way. He he hands D- Detective uh, Detective Turner a business card that just says the word Watari on it, and like apparently that's that's his full name. Was sufficient I have, to control him. I did. I mean, yes, because like he is like a weird secret agent guy, right? Like mm-hmm. that part made sense to me. Like that's the twist in Death Note the anime, right? Like, L's name is L. That's why no one ever tried L in the notebook, is because they thought it was a pseudonym, but his name is actually L. Of course, n- no it, I, I genuinely of... don't remember that. Oh, well. I mean, it was, I like know. I say, it was a long time ago, like, ten plus years. Yeah. But also, like, no adaptation of Death Note is interested in what constitutes a true name versus, like, like, like at what point does a name become your true name? Like, mm-hmm. he's obsessed with finding L's birth name in this movie. Yeah. Instead of just L, when by all, like, like in any way that matters, L is his name. And For sure. there's, it does, that's not really a thing that they address. Like, he doesn't try L and it doesn't work. Like, there's he no. He does, like, because, I mean, I guess it's just, it's just, it's just weird to me because in every other situation in this movie, he writes everyone's full name and all that business. And, I mean, I guess it could just be a mononym, right? It does also right. say on this IMDb trivia page I have open that he is a white Englishman in the manga and anime, but his Japanese yeah. hair. Uh, that is true, yes. Uh, where was I? Uh, also, we did... I forgot that in the original it was called Whammy's House. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> the, the orphanage for genius kids oh. was called Whammy's House. I forgot about that. Yeah, I believe it's called like the Montauk Institute or something in this one. I think so. Something like that. That doesn't matter. Uh, at school, Mia tips light off to the fact that she has the book and they get prepared for homecoming. Watari arrives at what remains of the orphanage Elle was raised at and breaks in, discovering a secret vault. Light and Mia arrive at homecoming, light wearing a stupid top hat as FBI agents sent by Elle show up on Watari's trail. Meanwhile, Watari digs through the orphanage's records, Mia helps Light escape his FBI tales, and he manages to get the Death Note back before calling Watari. Who needs more time? And Light goes to tear his page out to discover that it is missing. On the call, Watari is shot and killed by the agents that show up. I will say, it is a stupid top hat, but it is a stupid tactical top hat. Yes, it is there for a purpose. For the first time in a top hat, History, I guess. Uh, um, I can't think of any no- noteworthy top hats 
off the top of my head, but... This is the only one. I did my research. Oh, okay. Uh, after hearing Watari die, Ryuk cackles, saying that his death had been left up to Dula's choice, and Light walks back into the dance to confront Mia, who defends taking the page as saving Light, just like she did with the FBI agents. She says that Light is a pussy for not taking the steps to protect the two of them, and tells him that he can stop doing this at any time. All she has to do is give her the book. Joins Fiori's cooperation, she's written his name in it, and will burn it once he has given her the death note. L takes the call that Watari is dead, takes a gun from a case, and gets into a police cruiser. Um, this scene is really good retroactively when you think about, like, Mia had this planned the entire time, but she's, like, very cool and quiet about it during, mm-hmm. like, all of the, the start of the homecoming stuff. Yeah. Uh, she's better like, at this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately for Light. Uh, Light sprints to get the death note, and his dad puts out a call for people to look for L. Light heads to a computer and opens up the image board fed from earlier and starts writing names into it. As the police arrive to take him into protective custody, Light and Mia leave, but not before Light writes one last name in. L spots Light and begins his pursuit, driving recklessly until he has to take the chase up on foot. They rush through alleys and building sites, lit by neon and police lights as synthwave pulses in the background. L eventually catches him and confronts him in an alleyway, telling an anxious bystander that Light is Kira and that he is here to arrest him. The bystander summarily knocks him out with a piece of wood and greets L as Lord Kira. Light. Yes, greets Light as Lord Kira. <laughs> um, this is a great fucking scene. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. All like the whole chase and also the end part. But like, this is what I was talking about earlier. Where like the entire like apparatus of the state is here to protect Kira. And, like, stop the guy trying to kill Kira with a gun. Yeah. Uh, also, Curly, do you want to talk about the gun? I know you're dying to talk about the gun. I'm not... I feel like I got most of the talking about the gun <laughs> off my chest at, like, 2am yesterday. But uh, it's fucking... It's... it's. I mean, it's not the actual same prop, but it's basically the... It's the gun from Blade Runner. As soon as Watari <laughs> holds it up to the um, camera, I'm like, oh, I wonder if Watari's ever retired a human by mistake. Like... <laughs> Not to bring back my INDB trivia page, but it does say here that the sidearm used by L is a modified M2019 detective special used in Blade Runner 2049. Ah. Hmm. So it is just the same one? 17 of 18 found this interesting. Ooh. I I guess Curly was the 18. Yeah, man. Okay, what um, I will clearly yeah. have to what I will clearly have to do is start a, a a separate podcast where I analyze all the appearances of this gun in fiction because there are a lot. <laughs> I know, like <laughs> it's a good I, gun. It's uh the 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 Far Cry game has it is the one that I know of. Far Cry has it. It's the uh, it's the two hundred three in multiple Fallout games. Uh, they changed the name for it mm-hmm. in Vegas, mm-hmm. but it's uh, yeah. Sorry, just to go back to this page again for a second. To prepare <laughs> for his role in the film, Nat Wolf got his own death note and wrote in it to get into the mindset of the character like Turner. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, what probably happened is he probably watched the. Uh, he probably watched the scene in the anime where they really like lovingly and dramatically animate like like writing normally in in a book, and he was like, "Damn, I've got to be able to do this." <laughs> <laughs> I need to practice. Yeah. Uh, so Light takes Elle's gun and rushes to meet Mia, and the two get on the Ferris wheel at gunpoint. They ride it to the top as the police arrive, and Light tries to convince Mia to stop using the Death Note and run away with him. 
She demands the book, and Light takes it out, but says that if she loves him, she should remember what it's done to them and leave it behind. He tells her that if she ever takes the book, she'll never see him again. At this point, Light is distracted by his father showing up, and Mia snatches the book away from him. Ryuk appears, cackling, and is revealed that Light wrote Mia's name in it in the condition that she take the book from him. The ferris wheel begins to break and fall apart, leaving the two of them dangling from it above the water. Mia tries to grab the death note as it falls, losing her grip on Light in the process, and Light also falls, Light landing in the water, and Mia crashing into a bed of flowers on the pier, dead on impact. So, he says he wrote it as a on the condition that she takes the notebook, but he actually didn't, and also he knows that by control by putting the name and writing what happens, he's controlling her. So he really should have known that this was going to happen. I thought it was. I thought it was implied that it was conditional. No, it says when instead of if. Oh uh, right, okay. I did, so, I did not get that from that. So fair it, enough. He, he, I think the quote is like, when she takes the when she takes the note, she it it's. So it's yeah, it's when and not. It's if. recited at length later on, but like, he didn't actually like write it in a way that would prevent Ryuk from just doing exactly what he wrote. <laughs> That's very funny. Oh. So this scene in the Ferris wheel is like it's the it's the perfect apex of the movie. Like, uh, in fact, it's even better if Light fucking misinterpreted the rules to begin with because like. There's there's a scene in the first ten minutes of the movie where he sees the first rule, then the second rule, and then he flicks to the sixty fourth rule, and then he just basically flicks through the rest of the rules and doesn't read them, and then at the like more rules are gradually revealed. Like uh, Ryuk says, by the way, you can't just burn names forever. That is one of the rules. And Light's like, yeah, okay, man. And then at the end, uh, Mia reminds him about one of the rules. Maybe it is the burning names rule, uh, or something, but like. There, there stood there and light is like he's like god there's so many fucking rules man and then yeah. <laughs> like he actually says that and then he tells her that she, uh, that he wrote her name in you know on the condition that she takes the book or whatever and uh they both just start fucking screaming at each other <laughs> like like like, <laughs> like are you serious right now like just just yelling like completely incoherently at each other everything has totally fallen apart neither of them has anything at least one of them is gonna die it's just it's so good like it is the is the absolute combination of both of their completely terrible characters with like no grip on anything whatsoever just utterly losing control it's awesome yeah and the intonation on this little argument is like, is like, she's asking if Light soft blocked her on Twitter. Like, yeah, you yeah, wrote my yeah. name in the book. He's like, well, you, I was upset, and you wrote my name in the book. <laughs> yeah, and like, and this is something that you know we've gone over at this point that these characters consider to be an act of murder, and she's like, I can't believe you did this to me. And he's like, <laughs> It's so good. Uh, it's so fucking and, good. And then, and then, <laughs> and then, as the, as the Ferris wheel comes down, as as the book slides out of Light's pocket, and he loses his grip on Mia, we just hard cut to, to full music. Mm-hmm. It's oh. excellent. Let me finish oh. this scene out. Uh, L finally arrives on the scene and watches as a page from the note floats through the air and lands in a fire. As it burns, he reads the word. Lights reads the words. Light Turner's heart stops beating at midnight. The book washes up on the rocks and is picked up and taken away by someone. 
Um, this is the most, like, fucking full-on anime bullshit I think I've ever seen in, like, a Western live-action thing. Just the uh-huh. the Ferris wheel light leading into the page, like, landing in the fire. Yeah, the page landing in the fire, and then the scene in the hospital where, that's about to come up, where, like, explains his how his master yeah. plan <laughs> he does get a master plan and it's still undercut <laughs> yeah it's, it's effectively kind of like a policy into the, the entire movie right mm-hmm, the final right, thing yeah. we'll get to it uh, at a meeting Elle is told that four more killings fitting Kira's MO have occurred while Light was in a coma uh, Light's hospital room is entered by the man we saw pick the death note up who walks over and leaves it with him in his plane, Elle thinks over what Light has said to him and figures out about the book before heading out in a hurry. Light takes the death, away, death note away as his father enters to see him, having figured out that Light used the note to kill the man responsible for his mother's death, and had been Kira all along. The power of love begins to play as Light explains his plan, <laughs> how he had used the death note to force people to put him into a medically induced coma and use the book to kill while he was asleep before giving it back to him. Elle breaks into Mia's room and finds the page with the names of the FBI agents, as Light explains how he had written in that Mia would tear the page with his death written on it free as she fell, and that it would be burned while he survived. Hysterical, Elle takes the page and a pen, and Ryuk cackles in Light's room, drawing his attention. Humans are so interesting, Ryuk says, and we hit the credits. I'm not going to say I want them to make the grim 10 years later sequel to this movie, but if they did, I would watch it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they are making a sequel, supposedly. Is it, I don't think anyone's making any movies right now, so True. we'll see what happens, but I would love to see that. So this final scene, like you say, it's like a, it's like a policy into the rest of the movie. So the thing, I guess, the sort of role it plays in a Death Note adaptation is that uh, this, like, this type of sequence where uh, the protagonist sits down and explains their brain genius plan is like quite an important part of Death Note, right? Like one of the one of the if you talk to someone who feels strongly about death note like one of the things that they will tell you about is this scene where light's enormous brain genius multi-layered plan pays off in excruciating detail right and this movie mm-hmm. isn't really long enough like it, it the format of the movie means that you can't really have this set up over you know multiple volumes of 
that's why this happened, that's why this happened, that's why this happened. And it all culminates in a grand victory where Light learns El's name without having to trade his life for the eyes to see El's true name, right? And the movie can't have that. So instead, what it does is it does these sort of two, like, Light has a brain genius plan and it all works. And, uh, you know, for the format, I think it's okay. Well, the thing here is that, like, because Light in this one isn't actually a brain genius, his plan kind of unfolds at the same time that, like, a thing he completely forgot about is potentially about to get him killed. Hmm. Yeah, this is what I was talking about before. Um, even like when this light is a, is able to pull off a brain genius stunt, it's still undercut because the other characters are just better at this than he is. Yeah. And at the end, like we are led to believe that he's about to die. Who knows? I I think that's a pretty safe assumption, but you know, ambiguity in the text and all that. There's look. There's a lot of there's a lot of rules. There's a lot of things you can do. There's this a is a very rules. interesting story and setup. Uh, the whole like here's a thing that is very simple, but now we're going to add twelve rules or something to um, to this very basic idea is a very good, very like a thing I really like in yeah. in like fiction, and it's interesting seeing that taken from you know, 24 episodes to a two-hour movie. Yeah. Um, it, it's like it gets... a, it's, it's something that's super, like, common in anime as a genre insofar as such a thing exists where it focuses... A lot of, a lot of anime will focus on this, this situation where they spend a lot of time telling you exactly what the rules are, right? Whether the interest is in... Uh, like, often the interest is in establishing these rules so that they can be broken in a way that is like dramatically interesting to you but in this case it's much more about clever manipulation of those rules and that's why mm-hmm. the source material for death note works so well is that when that big gambit pays off it does follow all of the rules but in ways that you could never possibly have expected right yeah and also it's like seeing how the conditions of the characters' lives around them impact their ability to stay within those rules. Right, their ability to stay within those rules and also, like, their perspective on how they might, you know, Mm -hmm. bend them or break them, that kind of thing. Like, it's really interesting how, in the original fiction, uh, like, as a a character trait, it is really compelling how uh, Light's main problem is that the smartest man in the world wants him in prison and can probably get him in prison. And he is offered very early on an easy way to kill this guy. And all he will lose is half of his remaining lifespan. And Light will ne- Light never makes that choice. He never ever wants that. I mean, as far as as far as far as I've read, he never he never makes that exchange, right? And I, I just mm-hmm. think that's really interesting. That that, that you know yeah. it's it's a it's a I lost my thought. I think it's interesting also in that, like, the situation that is potentially going to, like, cause L to kill him here, which, like, would never happen if Wataria wasn't dead, is yeah. that situation was out of the rules being bent to keep Light alive. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because only one page could be burned. Well, um, according to Ryuk, who knows, right? Like, they could easily write the sequel and say, actually, like, yeah. Reoclide because only the rules that are written are real or something. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, it's 
Movie good. I don't know. I'm a big fan. <laughs> I'm a big fan. Death Note turns out pretty good, both as a movie and as like a, a garden in which to grow new stories. <laughs> yeah. I heard that new one shot's pretty good. Oh yeah, I heard about that. I should probably read that. I saw some. I saw some frames from it. It looks pretty pretty silly. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the rules of the Death Note is that the human who uses it will never go to heaven or hell. Hmm. Because I think some people interpret that to be uh, like uh, light is going to be reincarnated as a death god. Some people uh, interpret that as just like a purgatory state or uh, non-existence. But for us, what it means is we are going to the Funko Zone. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'd forgotten about this segment. <laughs> There's no How better place forget? to be. I mean, you know, Light, Light, Light ends this movie by, uh, he, like, he starts off wanting to believe in God. Uh, he decides he doesn't want to be God. And then at the end, he becomes God to save his own life, right? He embraces the uh, the machinations and the mm-hmm. uh, ideals of Kira in order to save his own life and continue owning the Death Note. He doesn't cast the Death Note away. He brings it back. So... What's more like becoming a god than being immortalized in a Funko Pop, really, if you think about it? I can't think of much. We are greeted on the homepage, as usual, questions related to COVID-19. Learn more here. I'm not going to click that. Underneath that is an ad for three for $30 spring specials. We might be able to get some good Funko deals here. Oh. We're going to go to the search bar. We're going to type in Death Note. You know what's going to happen. Now, Briar will be taking the Death Note Funko, or whatever comes up when I type in Death Note, and Curly, you will, as is ritual, be given a random Funko to rate. So, How objective am I expected to be in my You are going to rate the Funko on a scale of 1 to 5, or 0 to 5, I suppose, is more accurate. Yes. Um, 0 to 5 what? Funkos. Funkos. Okay, okay. <laughs> Um, as a quick aside, I thought the fast pace of this movie would lead it to have like longer notes than it does. Still, a thousand characters less than the Krampus notes. Is the Krampus notes the longest one that you've you've done? I think so. That movie did not deserve that much effort. <laughs> no. Um. So your your Funko for this week is, of course, Ryuk himself. Oh god. Uh, that is that is the first one that came up. I know. Well, we'll let Curly have fun. Um, so in the Coward Hour channel, I'm posting the link to the Death Note Ryuk uh, Funko Pop. Okay. First thing that jumps out to me here, that was a very, very wide, wide smile on our friend Ryuk. Uh, he's got a big old set of chompers. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a very, very red little apple he's also been accessorized with. Very shiny. It's pretty good. Pretty good little extra to have with him there. Um, the, the Funko Shop uh, website is really unpleasant to look at. Oh, yeah. This web design is bad. Oh. <laughs> it's not... The web isn't the only bad design on this page. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not reviewing that, so... <laughs> Um, his outfit's a little plain, kinda. I guess I shouldn't expect that much from a Funko. Uh, though I remember the, the ones for Alien last week were, like, ridiculously mm-hmm. over-dense, right? Yeah. Uh, Could have done with, like, 10% Specifically of the, 
the musculature of the face hugger, I think, was what you were complaining about. Yeah, it was bizarre. Um, aside from those, I don't know if there's any major features I want to I wanna pull out for our good friend here. Um, so, with that in mind... Oh, he does also have a nice little airing. That bears mentioning. Um, so that definitely brings it up to a zero phone goes out of five this week. Alright, alright. I will say yes. that the uh, second result when I typed in Death Note was light, and then we also have L and L with cake. The light uh, Funko does just look like Justin Bieber circa <laughs> like ten years ago. God, I just saw it as you were mentioning it. <laughs> um, um, the L Funkos do have the toes out, obviously. Oh, fuck yeah, you'd love to see that. Oh, there's there's um, one where he has a cake. Yeah, wow. and he's doing his little little brain squat. Oh, that's a hot topic exclusive. The brain squat. Uh, okay. So, though it was released concurrent with the uh, the Netflix movie, these are actually they're, they're branded with the anime. I see. Yes. Um, so, because I was going to say I was uh, I was missing the uh, like one of the things I really like about the movie Ryuk design is it gets a lot of uh, it gets a lot of verticality from the spiked roof that he's wearing. Mm-hmm. Like it goes mm-hmm. with the uh, the sort of uh, the diagonals of his face really well. And that's like absent from this design, but it is also not really present in the uh, the manga design either, which is fine because it's not like it's a much more uh, it's a much more rounded face, I guess. But uh, um, and currently your Funko this week is Black Panther glows in the dark. Black Panther glows in the dark. Ooh, ooh, ooh and it glows in the dark in a way I was not expecting and <laughs> quite intensely dislike. Um. <laughs> So, the first... Hang on, can I see it glowing? Oh, not really. Uh, kind so of. It's glowing with a sort of psychopower-like aura. <laughs> uh, I'm not really now, do sure. You mean... Sorry, go ahead. I need, to, I need to clarify whether you mean Gundam Psycho Energy or Street Fighter Psycho Energy. Oh, Street Fighter Psycho Energy is like a, is like a purple, you know... Okay. Uh, okay. Key energy thing, not 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 Gundam, you know, psycho mood stuff. That that's definitely not what I'm uh-huh. going for here. Although you know, okay. who knows? Honestly, uh, this is what I'm disliking the most about this is how covering it in purple goo really undermines the whole two tone thing that the Black Panther suit has. Like, the the black with white trim is kind of the whole point, right? Like, I'm not I'm not making that up. That's that's what that suit is doing, isn't it? And this isn't doing I that? I don't know anything about it. I haven't watched it. Haven't, haven't seen that one. So, uh, uh, with that in mind, I'm gonna... Also, the, what is the pose? The pose is like... Sort of leaping. It's a pounce. Uh, it's pouncing, but then it's like its face is very seriously turned towards the camera. It's 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 quite strange to look at. I I'm not sure what well, this is going. Well, maybe for. this will maybe this will elucidate the situation. It was pouncing on something, and then you entered the room, and uh, I've caught its attention. You have. I've posted the live yeah. action equivalent of this Funko in the chat. Wow, that looks bad. Yeah, that does look real, <laughs> real bad. The, pur- the the purple veins here also really undermine the uh, the the white and black design of the suit in a way that looks gross. 
Pretty uh, an ugly suit. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna... So with, with all of these criticisms in mind, I'm gonna give this a zero Funkos out of zero with the caveat that I would like to see in a future Marvel vs. Capcom game Black Panther gain psycho power in some way. That would I would I would like <laughs> that. I would not buy a Funko Pop of it, but I would buy that video game. I will point out that this is also exclusive Marvel Collection Collector Core. Oh God! Um, you are the first guest to actually follow the bit. Thank you for that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that's. I think that's true. I do have one final comment to make on the Black Panther glows in the Dark Funko, which is that it does not match the picture on the box. Yeah, that's true. Does it not? Oh no, it does not. That is strange. No. I wonder if that was a late production decision. Maybe. It's a bad Funko. It, do- it doesn't, it's a Funko. It doesn't, it doesn't match the design in like strange ways. Like... The the purple <laughs> people listening to this podcast are really going to have to look up this this Funko Pop <laughs> to follow this conversation we're having. Uh, I mean the, that's mandatory anyway. The fact that the the purple strips don't meet in the middle, right on the on the final design, but on the box design they overlap those little notches in a way that just doesn't make any sense. Like mm-hmm. that's very strange. This is a very strange uh... abyss we're staring into. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we should avert our gaze. And when we avert our gaze, we want to find Curly online. And where would we go to do that? Damn, did we just not get any emails this time? Rough. Uh, oh, that's a great question. I'll, I'll check the email. <laughs> graceful, very graceful. Luckily for you, you asked a professional guest on your podcast this time. Exportaudiopodcast at gmail.com See, I'm a professional uh, guest because no. I've guested on more podcasts than I've hosted. We did not get any emails. Hey! So, suck it. Where can people <laughs> find you online? When they're done sucking it, people can find me online. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't We didn't go to Bad Dragon this week. That was last time. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter.com slash curl underscore e underscore brace where I do atrocious tweets, including tweets about... Uh, my live streams, which are at twitch.tv slash curlybrace, all one word, where currently I am streaming the tail end of Metroid Prime 2 Echoes, uh, and we'll probably be moving on to... Uh, it's a great game. Yeah. We'll probably be moving on to Metroid Zero Mission afterwards, which is a game I'm really excited to play on stream, because uh, I played like a randomizer of that game recently, and it's all just like up in my brain in a way that I didn't expect, considering I haven't played it in like five years. Hmm. Uh so yeah, if you like Metroid games, head over to my Twitch and you can see me stream them there. Uh, I don't know if this podcast will be out in time for this weekend, but I'll be streaming the new Guilty Gear while that's open this weekend. And if it isn't, well, I uh, guess you it, missed it. it. <laughs> you missed it because this does come out on Mondays. Cool. Well, it well, was it was real fun. <laughs> it used to pretty consistently come out on Mondays. Uh, you know, things happen. They sure do. You can find me on Twitter at NeitherNora. You can find everything that I, everything that I do at NoraBlake.online. And I... Did I talk about my new podcast last time? I think you did, but you can always talk about it again. 
Well, if you've got thoughts or questions or comments or concerns or, you know, remarks about Soma, you can send those into journalupdated at gmail.com and we'll read them on Journal Updated, which is the Game Club podcast I do with Molly, your friend and mine, Molly, uh, about video games, specifically with regard to games that offer narrative uh, agency and, like, decision design. Uh, that's sort of the focus of that podcast. That's my stuff. And you can find me on Twitter at Wergazal. You can find links to everything I do at Wergazal.com. Um, if you have questions for our next movie, which is hardware, you can send those in to exportaudiopodcast at gmail.com. So, time's up for the cow hour. Send in those questions and join us next week. But until then, good night. Good night. Bye. <laughs> Never, never, never,
Hey, hey, I need you, fucking. 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 Hey, hey, I need you